Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Alright, so now, I thought I taught yesterday on the metaphors of sin. And the reason that is important is because when you look at the two major words, kata and hamatia, translated as sin in the Bible, they mean to miss the mark. And that's powerful in and of itself. So the allusion is to an archer who brings out his bow and arrow, aims for a target, but unfortunately he misses. Good example, see Ronaldo try to win the World Cup and is it, a, is it an example or not? Did he win the World Cup? Uh-huh, so he missed. I, I mean, he wanted to. He aimed, but he what? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that's actually the Bible definition of sin. But there's one problem. Judging by the name alone, you're going to miss the point. Not intentionally. Because the Bible didn't expect you to get your full conviction of what sin is just by the literal translation of the word translated sin. And so there are many other things you can understand. For instance, when you just see sin as missing the mark, you, you, you miss the point. That's a gross underestimation of the context, the seriousness of the problem at hand. You know, some people call sin a slip, a fault. <laughs> It's more serious than that. Come on, are you with me? And the Bible way for helping us understand the gravity of what we're dealing with is with metaphors. Metaphors are a gift to language. Figures of speech drive home the point in a more emphatic way. So figures of speech generally bring clarity and emphasis to whatever is to be communicated. For instance, I can look at someone and say, you are dirty. But if I look at the same person and say, you're a pig, it hits different, right? That's more emphatic. Dirty and pig are not the same. So if you were to deal with just language and normal communication, you will, you will miss a lot of opportunities to drive home the point, to help people understand you know, the gravity of the matter at hand. And that's just the same way a lot of people look at sin. Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Not quite a big deal. It is a big deal. And the reason we have to talk about this is you will not truly appreciate Christ and what he has done until you understand two things. The utter helplessness of man and then the sovereign intervention of God. You must have seen that you were without strength. One of the worst things ever said is that heaven helps those who help themselves. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Make no mistake, in some context, it is true. When it comes to your career, heaven does help those who help themselves. If you just sit in your couch and expect God to just throw you money, uh, you're going to wait till Jesus comes. And even then, nothing is going to happen. But when it comes to salvation, nothing can be farther from the truth. And not only do people think this, it is so popular, some people even think it's in the Bible. 
remember the first time I was preaching this to a lady. I said, that's not in the Bible. And she was arguing with me. She was trying to search. I said, oh, let me help you. It's in Hezekiah chapter 3 verse 4. She said, yeah, I knew it was there. I said, sis, I don't even know where to start teaching you from. Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. <laughs> Some of you just said, oh. <laughs> it's not there. Instead, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 6, it says, when we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly, meaning the sacrifices for people without strength, people who were, I mean, who recognized all the helplessness. The first sermon Jesus ever preached when he came to the earth is this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Meaning blessed are the people who recognize that spiritually they are bankrupt. There is nothing they can offer God that will qualify them to enter into his heaven. Do you understand that? So when you understand that, except God helps you, you cannot be saved. This is not like, I mean, um, the blood of Jesus is not an addendum. That you're actually a nice person, and I'm, who wouldn't let you enter heaven? Nice person as you are. It's not an addendum. It's the only access you have. Do you understand this? There's so many metaphors of sin, but I, 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 I want to share on three, and I'm going to spread this across three sermons. I did one yesterday. I'll do one today, and then the third one in the evening at Doxology Island. Make it if you can. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. Amen. Number one, sin is a debt that must be paid. D-E-B-T. When you sin, you are a debtor. And I'm sorry is not enough. It may be sincere, but it's not enough. You have to pay. Legally, you have to pay. Crying may be sincere. It's not enough. You, you, you got to pay. Fasting is not enough. You got to pay. And so if you find someone who has been owing you 10 million and has been, you know, avoiding your calls and you jam him on the road. He's not going to say, oh, really? I'm owing you? Ah, my bad. <laughs> Is that going to be enough? Okay, you're bad. So where's my money? But you see, because we don't really understand this, we subconsciously minimize. You know, there was something I did yesterday I want to do again. We all know the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our what? Now, we all say trespasses. I don't know where we got it. And it's not our fault. That is the way our, our parents taught us. And they, sang, they recited it that way because that's the way their pastor taught them. And no, no disrespect. But the text says, forgive us our debts. Listen, sin is not a trespass. It's, it's more serious than that. That, oh, I went to where I'm not supposed to go. <laughs> Please, are you listening to me? It's a debt. 
KJV calls it death. NKJV calls it death. Amplified calls it death. NIV calls it death. And that's what it is. It's a debt that you owe. And to buttress this, Jesus went ahead in teaching on forgiveness to talk about a, a king who gave account of all that his, his servants were owing and discovered that one of them was owing him 10,000 talents. He, he used that to teach forgiveness. Because you see, sin is recorded and reckoned in financial terms as something you owe. Therefore, the Bible says, Romans 6.23, for the wages... Are you with me? Of sin is death. It's a wage. Not just a trespass. Number two, sin is a weight that must be born. Oh my God, I'm going to teach on this this evening. It's a weight that must be born. When Cain heard all the consequences of what he had done, you know what he said? He said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Genesis 4.13. So he saw it as a burden. Sin makes beasts of burdens out of us. You literally bend over to be able to carry the responsibility. It's a responsibility. This is why you needed a savior. God won't just wave his hand or say, make sure you don't do that again. You, listen, you, are you with me, please? And number three, which is what I'm going to talk about in this service, sin is a stain that must be cleansed. The Bible is replete with metaphors about this. Sin is a stain that must be cleansed. So the Bible says in Psalm chapter 51 verse 2, for instance, Psalm chapter 51 verse 2. It says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It, it needs cleansing. You see, man in his natural condition, the way God made him, is described metaphorically as having white garments. Perfect and spotless. And then sin throws a stain on your white. And like I've been telling you, if you were supposed to attend a meeting with presidents, you had the privilege, and you were wearing, wearing white, and you just stepped in, and some clumsy waiter just bumps into you and spills wine on you and, and, and says, sorry, I'm so sorry, and truly means it. The person is sincere, but the reality is you have to go away from that event and go and fix that garment. I, I, is that true or not? You won't be explaining to the president, oh, I'm sorry, this, this is not the map of my country, it's just a stain. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to go and change it. It's a stain that must be cleansed. So Ecclesiastes 9 verse 8 says, let your garment be always white and let your head not lack ointment. That, that's the metaphor. And because we are all stained, Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Come now, Isaiah 1.18. Let us reason together, says the Lord. He says, for though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Come on, do you believe that? Is that the testimony of your life? It says, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That right there 
It's the message of salvation. That's why Easter is so important. Now, I want to do some Bible study with you. I want you to put on your thinking caps. For some of you who are not used to this, you might need to listen to this sermon twice or three times, at least this part, to get it. But it's very important. So I want you to follow me carefully. Turn your Bibles, Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. From verse 1. It says, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? And no one in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open this book and to look thereon. He says, and I wept, I wept so." Because no one was found worthy. Now, one question I want to quickly ask and answer is this. What is this book that made a grown man cry? I mean, if we're here right now, God forbid, for any reason, if you hear a grown man at some corner of the room wailing, it's going to shock you. You're going to be curious to say, to say What's going on? Why are you crying so much? What is making you so sad? Especially in our culture, it's not common to see a grown man just crying. So listen, you may not be a theologian, but you know this book is important. Why is John crying? Just because someone can't open some book? What book is that? This book must be very important. And it says, no one in heaven or earth was found worthy to open the book. What book is this? It must be very important. We must need it. Here is your cue. He says he found at the right hand of he that sat on the throne a scroll. So that book was at the right hand of he that sat on the throne. And listen to this carefully so you don't get it wrong. The metaphor right hand was a popular metaphor for eternity in the Bible. Do you understand? Eternal life. For in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are what? Eternal pleasure. So, it was a metaphor for eternity. So, what was John seeing? John was saying God and his plan for eternal life for all mankind. But for some reason, man cannot access it. So, John knew, maybe for the first time, that the fact that people live for just 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, and die was never part of the plan. Man was supposed to live forever. God has it in his plan. It's right there. Written inside and outside the scroll. But no one is found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. Nobody is found worthy to launch us into God's eternal plan for mankind. So he begins to weep. Who is worthy? He searches science, and make no mistake, science has tried to fix a lot of sickness and help us live longer, but he only tries so much. They've come up with great inventions in medicine that can cure sickness, blood transfusion, organ transplants. But you see, this subject of eternal life, they still haven't figured it out. Oh. Science doesn't have the answer. Let me check religion. I check all the religions of the world. A 
lot of great prophets, at least estimated by men to be so, have come to the world promising eternal life. But listen, they all died. And you can't give what you don't have. Pay attention to this. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 to 3 is actually a prophetic summary of the, old, the whole Old Testament. Because if at the time John was crying, there was no man found worthy, it means Jesus hadn't yet died. Do you, is that simple? So he's giving you a commentary of the Old Testament. I sought for a man. There was no such man at the time. So this story, as short as it is, compressed into three verses, actually took about 4,000 years to unfold. Are you getting this? And just when he begins to weep, one of the elders taps him and says, you can stop crying now. The lion of the tribe of Judah of the root of Jesus. So that's genealogy there, right? That's where we have entered Matthew now. <laughs> the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of Jesus, he has prevailed. And he is worthy to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Ha! Who is this guy? Who, who is he? Maybe some great scientist that came up with a genius invention. Oh, no, he's not a scientist. A great politician that was able to broker one, one policy that somehow could birth eternal life. Oh, no, not that. Who is he? Who is this lion? The emperor, the lion, the conqueror. You know, with, uh, so, yeah, it is where it came from, you know. <laughs> so, some of you, I didn't hear your voice since. Now I hear your voice. <laughs> so, the Bible says, he looked to see the lion and instead of a lion he saw a lamb wow that's that's something there the, the, the elder says look the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed and I look to see this one you call the lion because of his bravery this one you call the conqueror I'm looking to see, but instead, I see a lamb, and not just a lamb, I see a lamb that is dead, slain, meaning, oh my God, listen, he demonstrated his victory by submitting himself in death. That's what happened. Come on, are you with me? This is soteriology, this is, this is the message of salvation, that by humbling himself unto death, he conquered. The greatest victory ever known to man came by humility. He humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. But listen, the reason I read this story to you is this. You see the utter helplessness of man. I mean, John has already given up. He's crying. It's all over because I searched and no one was found worthy. Your religion was not enough. The fact that you are nice was not enough. The fact that you play an instrument cannot open the scroll. The fact that you try your best not to tell lies and you do all those things cannot read what is in that scroll. The only thing that gave us access is the lamb slain and his blood. Amen, somebody. 
Oh my God, you don't seem like you're excited. I said, the only thing that gave us access, that opened that scroll, is the lamb slain. <laughs> now that's something right there. So, I want to tell you, in the Bible, God gave us many prophetic riddles about salvation. You know what a riddle is, right? Something that signifies something else, right? So, one prophetic riddle in the Bible was the Passover. That's actually a story of salvation. Because by God delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was delivering them metaphorically. He was telling a picture of how he would deliver us from death. And passing the Red Sea was a picture of baptism or salvation. And then receiving the covenant on the mountain was a picture of discipleship after you have been saved. So, so that was a, so the Bible tells us, for instance, that Christ is our Passover, 1 Corinthians 5, 6. And the Bible tells us that the children of Israel were baptized in the clouds, you know, unto Moses. So that means the Red Sea was a picture of baptism. It's a salvation story. Meaning when you look at what happened there, you can understand what Christ has done. Please, are you with me? Say loud, Amen. And here is the part that many people miss. God said, tomorrow, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. This same Pharaoh that won't let you go, he will force you out. Here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to strike every firstborn in any family, not that is Jewish, or that is Egyptian. Any family that I don't see the blood on. Oh my God, listen, 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 listen. This is a powerful story. If you get this, we can go. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? All right. So pay attention. God says, you're going to slaughter a lamb representing Christ, right? Because Christ is our Passover. And you're going to put the blood of that lamb on the lintel. He says, and when the angel of death is passing, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Now, this is the metaphor of salvation. Because you see, the fact that only the firstborn was slain was just a metaphor of everyone. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because God used the firstborn in the Old Testament as a symbol of everything. So when you have a plant or a tree, you give your first fruit, signifying by the first fruit that every fruit belongs to the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? So by God taking the firstborns, he's saying every man deserves to die. He is only using the first male son to signify the fact that everyone deserves judgment. So this is actually a picture of the judgment that is to come. And your only security is not that you're Jew, it's not going to be, listen, the angel of death is not going to check your accents. It's not even that you have given, you know, to God in the past or you've done or you try to act nice. The only thing that is going to give you security and safe passage, safe, safety that night is the blood. He says, when I see the blood, only the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over. So listen, the reason... The Egyptians were in trouble that night was not because they were Egyptians. 
Did you hear that? The reason they were in trouble that night is not because they were Egyptians. The reason they were in trouble was because when the angel of death came, there was no blood on their lintel. So their problem was their ignorance. Listen, oh my God. The reason I'm telling you this is because we all have a proclivity to trust in our efforts. We think that God must like us. Why wouldn't God like us? Can't you see all that I do? Like that guy, you know, that smote his chest and said, you know, I mean, okay, the, the, the guy who smote his chest was the sinner. He said, God, be merciful unto me. But the other guy was bragging. He said, I fast twice a week. I give alms regularly. I have not failed in my tithing. There is a way that the good that we do implicates us without us knowing. I, I, please, are you getting what I'm saying? This was the problem of Cain. Many people commit the error of Cain. The book of Bible stories lied to us. They gave us the impression from their pictures that Cain gave bad sacrifice. No, Cain did not give bad sacrifice. Nowhere in the Bible were you told that Cain gave bad sacrifice. Cain's sacrifice wasn't rejected because it was bad. If he gave bad sacrifice, he would not have been offended. The reason he was offended is because he thought he tried his best. I went and I plucked the best vegetables from my farm. I washed them clean. I put them on the altar and you reject it. This is what a lot of people don't know. It is not about your efforts. The only thing that makes your sacrifice accepted when it comes to atonement is the blood. So God came to Abel's sacrifice. He saw blood. It was accepted. He came to Cain's sacrifice. He saw no blood. It was rejected. What qualifies us is the blood. And the people who say heaven will be full of surprises are very right. Not just the kind of surprise that they want. But you see, there will be a lot of, a lot of noble people who have done great for society, fought for civil rights. At the end of the day, at the gate of eternity, the only question is this. Is the blood on you? Are you covered by the blood? If you're not, no matter how great and noble, there's something to cry about. John said, I wept. Because by effort, no one was worthy. And let me just buttress this. <laughs> to let you know how important the blood is. Are you aware that even Moses almost died? Some of you don't know that. Did you ever read in your Bible, Exodus chapter 4? That Moses almost died. It was like God was going to kill him. I think from verse 24. Because the thing is this. God came to him and found that he was not circumcised. So luckily, his wife knew what was happening, and just before he died, quickly brought out the knife, and just, and that means that even Moses, whom God was grooming and preparing to be the savior of his people, without the blood, Moses would have been judged. So listen, you must understand this, when you look through the Bible, all the saints of old that you admire and you respect, Abraham, Isaac, Jacobs, the great patriarchs, all of them were justified by faith in the blood and faith in the blood alone. Please, is this clear? This is so important. Say with me, I have faith in the blood. Say it again, say I have faith in the blood. And so, you have to recognize, you know, that your salvation came at a cost. It is called redemption. Just the same way to get a slave to be free, you have to pay. You were redeemed by the blood of Christ. And so Paul says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
but are justified freely by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is not a matter of religion. It's not about how hard you can pray or how sonorous your voice is when you sing. It is about the blood of Jesus. And if you get this, we are good to go. Let me also say this. When it comes to the devil, the number one thing that is your defense is the blood. Are you listening to me? That's what marks you as someone who is touching us. The blood. Look at the text. I mean, I know you must have read this many times before. But look at this. Romans chapter, did I say Romans? Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Say with me as you open. Say the utter helplessness of man and the sovereign intervention of God. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Say we overcame him. Say we overcame the devil. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Say we overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Oh, so listen, listen, listen. When it comes to your defense, it is by the blood of the Lamb. That's your defense. Are you covered? You know, there's a story I heard that really, really shook me. It's a powerful story. David Yongicho was trying to cast out the devil, and for some reason, it took long, you know, and that, that's unusual. So after a while, he just walked away, you know, wondering what was happening, and all of a sudden, there was a rage of revelation that just hit him by the Holy Spirit. And so he came back to the person and spoke to the devil and said, you're going to leave now because 2,000 years ago, my elder brother Jesus defeated you. You know what the devil said? The devil said, I'm going to go now, but please, don't tell anyone what you said. Don't tell anyone what you said. The devil wants it to be a secret that our true assurance, oh my God, a lot of people don't understand this. Listen, even if fasting gives the power of God expression in our lives, that's actually not what gives us the qualification and the right to the name. The right to the name is the blood. The right to the name of Jesus is first and foremost his blood. We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I think one story that typifies this is David before Goliath. Many of us need to learn from David because we brag to the wrong person. When you're talking to Saul, your only assurance for being allowed to fight Goliath is that you have killed a lion and a bear. So David had to tell Saul, I had killed a lion and a bear. But if you notice, before Goliath, David did not bring forth his resume. Not once. Instead, he said, you come against me with a sword and with a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose army you have defied. Meaning, this is not me you defy. Listen, I have experience. I'm very strong. I am very skilled with the sling. I have killed the lion and the bear. But in battle, 
what I put forth, come on, are you with me? Is the name of the Lord of hosts, whose army you have defied. This is why David said, when he heard Goliath brag, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He knew, listen, no matter how strong you are, no matter how broad your chest is, no matter how big your bicep is, if you are without the covenant, you are vulnerable. Do you understand what I'm saying? Meaning it is the blood, especially in this place, prophetically and metaphorically by circumcision, that makes you a child of God. And no matter how tall you are as a giant, as long as your leg is still on the ground and you have no covenant, you can fall. You are a man without a covenant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You come against me with a spear, with a sword, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. What if the blood became your assurance? What if the blood became your assurance before Goliath? What if the blood became your assurance before the devil? What if you stop trusting, you know, in, your, in horses or in chariots or in how much of a prayer champion you are, how much of a prayer warrior you are, how much fasting you've done, you started trusting in the blood. That's your access. That's your access. That's your access. Because you see, in the Old Testament temple, it didn't matter how righteous the priest was. He wasn't going to enter without blood. If he ever entered the most holy place without blood, he was going to die. And so the Bible says that everything in the Old Testament temple had to be sprinkled with blood. That is what made them holy. Not because they were made of gold. Are you with me? The metaphors, they are powerful. So it's not just about how nice you look, how well you behaved. It is your being sprinkled with blood that sets you apart. If you don't know this, your good effort will put you in trouble. Because when the ark is about to fall, the responsible thing to do is to catch it. That's what many people are doing in their devotion. They are doing the responsible thing they know how to do. And many people, like someone who tried to catch the, the ark, would tell God on that day, I gave many arms to the poor. I was so responsible throughout my life. And then the angel will ask you, is there blood on you? If you try to touch the ark, you're going to be struck dead. Please, are you with me? Efforts will never be enough. There is a type of sacrifice that God calls strange. There is a type of fire that God calls strange. Because listen, you are trusting in your efforts. You put an altar, you put a sacrifice, and God is saying, mm, this is strange. This is not what I'm looking for. Your only assurance. Listen, I am rebuttressing this so that it will hit the core of your being. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Say we may say, by grace, grace. I am saved through faith. Say that not of myself. Say it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I, I, I watched the sermon except, you know, it's an old one, but I, I just showed up on my timeline and I think it was so powerful. And a man was trying to paint a picture of how strange it would have been for that thief at the cross to enter heaven. And an angel is trying to interrogate him 
to see how much he knows. Because the guy doesn't know anything. Probably never heard a sermon all his life. He just knows that this man has the word of eternal life. And he had enough faith to say, remember me in your kingdom. So just imagine the angel saying, well, have you heard of the doctrine of justification? Say, doctrine, what's that? Never heard of it in my life. Well, do you know the sacraments? Say, sacra. I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. What about the early fathers? Like Isaiah, do you know them? Jeremiah. I don't know. He says, wait, let me call my supervisor. He goes, he calls the most senior angel. So the angel comes, what's going on here? Who are you? How are you here? And he says, the guy on the middle cross. I asked the guy on the middle cross and he asked me to come. Is there anybody like that? (laughs) Come on, is there anybody like that? The utter helplessness of man. God, if it's by my efforts, I do not qualify. But thank God I don't have to. Someone has been my sacrifice. A lamb has been slain for me. His blood was shed for me. Because he died, I'll never die. Because he was buried, I'll never be buried. Because he rose, I am raised back to life. And I am seated with him in heavenly places. Far above principalities and power and might and every name that is named. Give him praise right now. Oh, this Jesus, the Prince of Life, was killed for us. And I want to show you this. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read verse 1 and 2. He has washed our sins with his own blood. Say that with me. He has washed our sins with his own blood. I want to tie the two concepts of death being paid and blood washed with this text. Because there's a question that must be asked and answered. How is the death of one man enough to set free billions of people? How is it enough? You need to understand it. Well, first and foremost, he's no ordinary man. Come on, are you with me? The Bible tells us that he was born of a virgin. And that has a lot of implications because biologically, when it comes to procreation, the way a a child is formed in the womb, it is from the man's seed that the blood of the baby is formed. But Jesus was born without the seed of a man. That means by biology and by science, his blood was from God. Come on, are you with me? Oh my God. This means not only is the blood enough, it's an overpayment. This is why the moment, I I told you this at Reboot Camp, the moment his blood touched the ground, the ground revolted. 
the one who created me, you've slain him, the prince of life. 12 noon in the afternoon, which is supposed to be the brightest moment of the day, everywhere went dark. There was an earthquake. The graves opened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. A lot of chaos and commotion everywhere. And this is what was happening. Isaiah prophesied it in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. He says, comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Oh, you've been crying, just like John, who will save us. But he says, comfort, because something is happening. And this is verse 2, verse 2 now, quickly. He says, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. Please, help me prophesy this to the person by your side. Tap the person and say, your warfare is ended. <laughs> say the battle is over. Hey, he says, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that your warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned. But he didn't stop there. He says, for she shall receive from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Glory to God. Meaning, God's salvation in his Christ is double and overpayment. And that's why I stand on the strength of the word of God to tell you, it doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. The blood of Christ is enough. Nothing washes like the blood of Jesus. You know, the hymn writer said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter how grievous the error. God's verdict is go and sin no more. Are you with me? And that's not an advice. It's an empowerment. He has taken away the stony heart out of your flesh. He has given you a heart of flesh. He has put his spirit in you and empowered you to walk according to his statutes. Now you stand by faith in what you've done, complete in what he's done. You are a free man. Did you hear what I said? And he who the Son of Man has set free is what? So I recognize myself free indeed. I will no more give heed to the voice of condemnation because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. You know, someone told me in school, she says, once in a while, the Lord reminds her of the sins she committed in the past. I said, that's not the Lord. That's the devil. Because this is God's verdict. He says, and your sins I will remember. Come on, are you with me? Are you glad about that? Stand to your feet. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know sing it again say oh it's a powerful testimony to the heavenly say there no other found I know Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
the prophet said, even the legal or the lawful captive shall be delivered. The lawful captive. He has ransomed you. You might have been a slave to the devil, but he has ransomed you by his sacrifice. Now you are free. Please, are you listening to that? The reason I'm saying this is because I want to give just few minutes to anyone plagued by demons, plagued by the devil. I want you to recognize we overcame him by the blood and the word of our testimony. By the blood, the devil no longer has rightful claim over you. Listen, even if it is a mistake you made in the past, a sin you committed in the past, that gave him leeway to attack you. I am telling you, your sins are forgiven. Come on, I said your sins are forgiven. Come on, I said your sins are forgiven. Listen to me. You know, something happened. <laughs> A man, you know, I love and respect from another country called me to say, your sermon caused problem. I said, what happened? They had a conference. I recorded the sermon for them, you know, here in Nigeria. And they played it in church. And one of the church members who had been trying to see him, who had been suffering depression, said, I really need to see you. And he was so busy, he couldn't see the person. So she just tuned in for the program. And after I preached, I led the congregation in a confession. I said, say this with me. Say this with me. You know. And then this girl, all the way in United Kingdom, re reciting and declaring the word of God and something hit her. She fell to the ground in her bedroom and started screaming. So everyone downstairs ran upstairs to come and see what is happening. And they heard demonic voices through her. And then the demons left from that time till now. No depression. Listen. I'm educated. So I know that there is clinical depression. I know all those things. But I also know that there is a name Come on, are you with me? I know that there is a name above every name. And we have access to that name by the blood. Say that with me. Say, I have access to that name by the blood. Hey! Say, I have access to that name by the blood. Scream it loud. I have access to that name by the blood. Say, I am free by the blood. decree and declare that I overcame by the blood of the Lamb by the word of my testimony say I am not overcoming I overcame say I am not overcoming I overcame I overcame by the blood of the Lamb by the word of my testimony say I testify that I'm an, I am an overcomer. Hey, say in the name of Jesus, I cast out the devil from my life, from my loved ones, from my relatives, from my friends. In the name of Jesus, I take authority by the blood of the Lamb, by the power in the name. 
I rebuke you devil for there is devil now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus hey say for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death say I'm free I'm free I'm free I'm free free I'm 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 free glory to God I want to give you just one minute one prophetic minute you are going to jump and run around listen someone says I've been attacked in the dream every night I don't care declare the word of God and they overcame him by the blood of lamb and the word of their testimony you're going to jump and shout and run around as far as you can and say I'm free I'm free I'm free glory to God I'm free glory to God no longer power glory to God Give him the praise right now. Give him the praise. Give him the praise. Give him the praise. And now in the name of Jesus. You know, I shared this testimony at um, Abuja. I want to share it now again because it's so powerful. When I was in Port Harcourt, one of the members of our church in Podakot came with her mom. The mom heard I was coming and decided to come personally to say thank you. And I said, why are you saying thank you, ma? And she said she had been terminally ill for a long time, couldn't walk. And this is a lesson to every one of you. You need to learn how to put the word of God to work. So the daughter said, Mommy, you must be healed. I have curated these sermons for my pastor. Play them every day, over and over again. So the mom started doing that. Feeding on the word. Feeding on the word. Feeding on the word. And she said one night she was sleeping. And but for some reason, and I know what she's talking about, she could see her room, even though her eyes were closed. She said, and I walked into the room. And I touched her by the side of her jaw and said, be healed. And she woke up perfectly fine. So she said, I had to come to the church to see the pastor. So just say, thank you. Hallelujah. Mommy, it's not me. God used me, but it wasn't me. There is a name above every name. He might have gone to the hospital and the doctor called one name, but I know a name that is more than that name. It says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Everyone who is called sick, 
under the sound of my voice. Oh my God, I see angels running into the crowd right now, ministering to people, ministering to people, ministering to people. In the name above every name, be healed in your body. Be healed in your blood. Be strengthened in your bones. Let whatever needs to be corrected, be corrected. Let that weak heart receive strength now. Let eyesight be corrected. Let hearing deficiencies be corrected. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you are coming back with your testimony. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you are coming back with your testimony. So from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet at the tip of your toes, receive your healing. Receive your healing. Thou devil of darkness, tormenting him, tormenting her. I command you be expelled now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke torment of any kind. I rebuke torment of any kind. I decree and declare your freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus. Begin to thank God like it's done. 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 Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.